Today on the Dolby Institute podcast, the music of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Joining us is composer Lorne Balfe, who returns to the franchise after his last collaboration with director Christopher McQuarrie on Mission Impossible Fallout. And once again, we welcome our guest host, music journalist John Burlingame, who sat down recently with Lorne to discuss the track. I'll let John take it from here. Our guest today is the amazingly prolific Scottish composer Lorne Balfe. In just the last five years, he has scored such blockbusters as Black Widow, Top Gun Maverick, Mission Impossible Fallout, and the television series His Dark Materials. And now he's done what may be his biggest, grandest movie ever, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Welcome, Lorne Balfe. Yes, and, and, and had a child and had COVID twice. <laughs> All in this same period. Yeah, I think the ch- the child was the most stressful thing compared to, <laughs> compared to everything else. <laughs> I can believe that. So, Lauren, let me start by asking, when did you begin work on Dead Reckoning? Maybe even before the pandemic? I think it had, yes, it's got to be before the pandemic. It's got to be th- three years, three and a bit, um, because Chris and I were in L.A., when you say Chris, you mean Chris McQuarrie. McQuarrie, yes. I've got to just say McHugh. <laughs> the director. Um, McHugh uh, and I met for supper in L.A. He told me the story. Um, he also gave me gave me the relief in knowing that I was coming back. That was the big. That was the biggest thing. Um, and then told me about the story. And then I think maybe, probably the next day I started writing. So this is at least three years ago. Yes, yes, yes. We did. We did stop. You know, we we moved on to Top Gun for a year and a half or something like that. So it was. Uh, so we did do other things, um, but but right from the beginning, McHugh kind of had this clear vision about the music and wanting to kind of go. Um, he'd been listening to a lot of um, Sibelius. Uh, so the, I knew that the classics were kind of going to be a part of it instead of the kind of the, the usual. I always find it funny talking to you, John, about the world of mission due to the fact you know it like the back of your hand. You know, you write about it. <laughs> so, so anything I say is going to be either wrong or the wrong uh, the wrong period of time. But, but you know, it was it's it's always kind of mission has always had a bit of a nod to this, the 60s and the that kind of retro genre. So this he was very you know he was he had been listening to classical music and Sibelius was a kind of an inspiration so the and the romanticism of that period of time of those composers and Rachmaninoff and so so that was kind of that world that was the beginning of the 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 DNA basically so that's a very different approach than you needed to take on fallout right Yes, because I think Fallout, Fallout, there was no kind of real briefing about what what the style of the music was. It, it was more, it was more kind of just talking about the film, watching the film, and then and then and then and then write and then just and then writing it. And I think that with this, it the, the, there was something there, and it kind of moved. And of course, the subject matter of it, you know, being kind of technology based. I did kind of go through a spell of experimenting more with the electronic side, but it, it weirdly just did not work. 
it just it just it the concept worked but then when you put it to the pictures it was just it was weird it, it just didn't work so that's why that kind of whole concept of the entity is 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 very kind of old school poltergeist goldsmith you know it, it's very kind of those atonal woodwind clusters um whereas before we had been playing with with electronic sound design but ultimately you really wind up with the traditional sort of symphonic orchestra as your primary soundscape, right? Yes. You know, I, I, th I think I, there's always an underbelly of protection of, of some, some low frequencies there and some synths backing up the low end and, uh, and, and manipulation going on. But, but no, it's a very kind of, it's a very organic school compared to Fallout, that's for sure. And, and also, I think there's there's more fun in it. There wasn't there wasn't kind of the humor that was in that's not in Fallout. There's humor in this film, um, and more cat and mouse. So I think I think there was a, you know, McHugh and I, our favorite film of Go is Ghost Ghost of Mrs. Muir. That's a wonderful film and score and score. So so that kind of. That was kind of that was an inspiration about that that tone of the uh, the uh, old school Hollywood, and and which is you know that's where they took their reference points from was the classic you know the romantic composers so so, but also that way of playing, you know it, it's the musicians get they they get they get towed off when they play like that these days a lot of the time, <laughs> so so there was no they, we you know kept saying to them don't be scared of of portamento don't be scared of vibrato embrace it there's one movie that's going to do it this year it's us so so let's go for it i have to just get to the heart of this immediately because i've never seen a movie scored quite like this i i count at least six different recording locations yeah um and i wonder if you could tell me why you went to all these cities and if you were looking for different colors or flavors from the orchestras playing in those locations. Yes. No, I wanted to go on holiday. <laughs> I didn't actually make any of the sessions because we were, we were right. We were writing. So the whole kind of romantic idea of kind of being in, being in Venice, unfortunately didn't get to kind of experience. No, it was, it came from, it came from an idea of, um, so much effort and time and contribution and when the crews when the crews go on set to record it, it becomes a family there and and when they were recording in venice and rome i i, I just kept thinking about gosh it's it's funny how we we get choirs and you know, we we try i tried to do it but it, we couldn't it wasn't possible because we were at the beginning of of the of COVID with Black Widow because I, I I was wanting to record the choir in Russia um, because for, if they're going to sing in Russian they got to get it straight away and and I think what happens is that you sometimes have these choirs and they have to kind of sing in different languages and of course they can do it but it's just it it's a it's not coming natural to them um, so that was one idea. That, I, that had been the back of my mind. But the main thing was that case of, of wouldn't it be amazing to have 
the musicians from that city or that from that town to be part of this soundtrack the same way that the crew and the extras and the actors are from that environment let's try to incorporate our, uh, that world into our world so that was the, that was the reason for it and also i think um the only one that didn't kind of that wasn't technically that was the the secret drum call oh yeah i wonder if you can talk about that now this is an ensemble in switzerland in i switzerland. think Yes, Who are and they, and why did you need them? We needed them because um, Chris, Chris, uh, McHugh and Tom had seen them at the Queen's Jubilee. And and I think it, from Fallout, we had done a bongo escapade, bonanza, bongo bonanza, um, uh, which we obviously did again. Uh, but... Um, but perc- percussion, as we've talked about before, percussion is just a, a very key, important thing to Mission Impossible. This, the, the TV show focused on it very, very strongly. It was a it was a percussive adventure. So, so one random meeting, and they were talking about it, and we watched a video of of them performing. So basically, in in the back, we started kind of seeing is it possible and and they're not professional they've all got day jobs this is this is not their this is not their day job this is they're accountants they're lawyers they're doctors so um it's not it's not easy to kind of just say let's book them uh because they've got lives and and they do some touring um and we and it was just that percussive nature of the precision where there's a, even though that there are no notes or pitch notes, there's a music sensibility to it, and it's the same. And that really is what Mission is. You've got, you've got probably that and Terminator. Can't think of many other where the theme is rhythm based. That you don't need the tune on top. You can literally just bang it on the table, and you know what it is. So, so. That was the reason of getting them involved, and then and then then I found out they had actually done a they had played part of their repertoire. They had a uh, they had done it about six seven years ago, Mission Impossible. Um, but but all the players have changed since then, so the new ones didn't know it. And uh, but but that was that was that was the reasoning, and then that kind of created this new uh, this new color and vocabulary to it. That kind of wasn't wasn't there. So you hear it in the beginning, but mainly at the end where you have a breakdown of just the percussion. So you also went to Rome and yes. Venice. Amazing. Venice. Yes. And what did you uh, get in each of those places? We we got um, in Venice. We recorded a, a choir there, which was fantastic. Rome was uh, was mainly orchestral. Um, Part of, there was a bit of a Lego kit also going on, so that with the main titles and the end titles, um, everybody was kind of playing a different part, so that when our whole mix came together, you basically have a collection of everybody. Really? So you, you took all of those recordings from various locations and more or less combined them? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we t- time, you know, because there's such a big part of the film is in the the airport, I wanted to try the record there 
but it was just getting timing was was difficult and um so my my mission failed for that for that <laughs> for that one but um but no it it was really about trying to kind of you know the, these films are a rarity um these blockbusters and and i think that you know somebody said to me oh you know it's 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 a, it's a gimmick it, it's not a gimmick it's about trying to kind of have some honesty and and i think that it's um like what we've been doing all week has been trying to kind of showcase all the musicians and give them credits because as we know they don't get credits uh on the screen um unless unless it's afm i think they're getting credits now aren't they for la session right i think that's that's a new sort of union rule here in the states so so and also due to the fact there was over 550 musicians we would have had to add another four minutes to the end crawl but um, (laughs) (laughs) correct me if i'm wrong 550 isn't that a record for the number of musicians playing on any movie score who knows i'm sure somebody will come out of the woodwork and said i was on 556 (laughs) Um, (laughs) but we didn't know that until until about two weeks ago and somebody kind of uh, Ethan who works who's on the team started adding it all up and and then and then I think on top of that you know you've got another 200 of the music team arrangers oh, right. orchestra, you know again they don't get credited half the time on the screen so you also went to Vienna and Budapest which yes. I thought was interesting again yes. why those locations and what did you get from them we got again the locations related to the movie and what we got was, um, uh, what we got was, I think, different sensibilities. I think what's interesting with European recordings, what what it used to be, um, and I don't think there's any other way to look at it. People used to go, they're cheap, and that's it, and uh, they're not very good. And we started recording in Vienna uh, when Hans and I and Rupert were doing the crown. So maybe 13 years, 14 years ago, maybe. And that was the beginning of synchron stage and, and the beginning of, of them. And, um, it's like gone like this now, you know, they're, 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 they're amazing musicians. It's amazing space. Um, they, I, I work with them every couple of months, probably. Uh, on projects, so so there's a shorthand there. Um, you you build friendships there, so so you you know how to kind of work. But the main thing is is that all, is again just trying to geographically. Ha- wouldn't it be great to have them part of it? I think the I think what I, it wasn't trying to kind of bring in a kind of a regional tone of performance. You know, uh, the score went through different different variations the beginning in the desert was a bit more uh, musically at one stage maybe a bit more middle eastern um and that just i think it just it just kind of it 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 pulled you away from the kind of the storytelling so so the music changed in that so there wasn't looking at trying to kind of have different tones it was more about the personality and the fact of those locations did you have to write differently for each location for each different orchestra no 
No. You know, the one thing I learned, I, 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 I had um, uh, Kung Fu Panda was a great learning school for me. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, but it, yeah, it made me realize I couldn't go out. I, I wasn't able to go and get my own career for a long time because I, because I think on the first one, um, Henry Jackman was working on it with Hans and John and, um, and I, and I was working on something else before Hans and, and I just remember kind of think, gosh, there's a lot of notes. There's a lot of notes there. That's a, um, and then on two, then I came on board and I think on two was my kind of little wake up call where I was like, gosh, I'm, I'm not ready to go alone, give it a go myself, you know, mainly because of, um, the, the press, the pressure on working on these big movies are, 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 are ridiculous. The weight on your shoulders, um, the amount of revisions, the whole business side of it like that. But the, but then also what I learned was it, I thought, gosh, it was a good, interesting experience this where, where you're bringing musicians in from China, but, but we're not necessarily writing it in a Chinese uh, voicing. So you end up with a kind of a, um, a, an interesting kind of tone. So, so, so the long story, no, <laughs> uh, actually, but that, but that was the point with Panda three. That was then the next learning thing, because I just remember thinking, Oh my God, John Powell, you know, he, this was first I'd kind of gone through the school of hands where everything he writes is, you know, from God, but then John, <laughs> John is the same. And you're like, oh, no, what am I going to do? This is going to be a, a hard nut. Um, but but no, it, it was about writing what felt right and writing what worked for the picture. And I think um, weirdly, and it goes back to the electronic side also, when we tried to take music from um, Fallout and put it in uh, Dead Reckoning, it just didn't fit. Mm, it, sure. For whatever yeah. reason, it, it just did not work. And and that's why kind of going through going to this kind of more old school tone um, and, and and more expressive and, and letting the musicians breathe and be expressive, which is something that really does get pulled out of a lot of schools now by by people. You know, it, it was it was a luxury. So let me bring you back for a minute to the London recordings. It was kind of astonishing to look at the list of yeah. no fewer than 35 bongo players. And I wonder if, if you can explain why yes. you needed and I 35 people playing bongo drums. <laughs> why not, John? <laughs> no, the, the answer to something like that, the answer to something like that is because, because I can. <laughs> no, I tell you why. Because the thing... The, the 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 reason it is is that you when we did it on the last one, um, I think it was twelve, maybe. Oh, 12, only twelve. And, <laughs> and Jeff Foster, only twelve. Um, and we had we had to kind of fly in ten of them. There's not many <laughs> professional bongo players. Um, we um, we we had to um, Jeff Foster who was recording it. And I, it was just, it was just an amazing sound. 
And of course, there's bongos in the original Mission Impossible theme. Right from the beginning. That's that's the, that's the and I think we kind of did that in Fallout where we had the longest bongo row ever. I think it was like three minutes building up to the, you know, there's some, some editing. There was kind of, you know, spasms in the hands. But but it was an acoustic thing that just in the hall at, at um, Air Lindhurst, it was an amazing sound. And 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 uh, and weirdly, we weren't going to go down the route of the, the bongos because I thought, oh, well, you know, we've kind of done it um, and we need to kind of progress and move somewhere else. But but then I remember this conversation with Jeff Foster and we had talked about, you know, wouldn't it be great if it was double the amount? And it was like, yes, let's do that. And and and, and then and look, the real reason for it is you're recording it basically in in Atmos. You're recording it in surround. So so th there is a kind of there's a reason for why they're sitting in a certain way. Um uh, like the beginning and the end, it starts with one bongo player on your left, who in the cinema will be right at the back, and then so so it's it's a it, there is a sonic reason to it, um, and also it meant my utter frustration of being f a failed percussionist that every conservatoire uh, in Britain um, I managed to play on it and so did McHugh and so did Eddie Hamilton and Cecile our music, uh, amazing music editor so so uh that was a kind of a surprise for them they didn't know they didn't know that they were going to get to play on the opening titles for Mission Impossible you know Lauren obviously this there's a great deal of action and suspense material yes I, I, yes I suspect needed for a movie like this but when I think about the characters and the need to sort of, I'm sure, strike an emotional chord from time to time as we are getting involved with the story and the various different people who are in the story. You talk a little bit about what you had to do to sort of keep us um, riveted to the story and the people. Do you know what the big, there's two, the, the main thing is the plot theme. Oh, talk about that, will you? Because this is another Lalo Schifrin creation from the 60s yes so the plot theme is am i allowed to can i play oh can yeah i play on my, i can oh. play on my keyboard can i oh sure it'll be it'll be bad um so yeah look the, the whole thing that we're blessed with as you know is lalo's themes <laughs> it's 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 taken a lot of stress and heat out of the kitchen when you've got such great themes it's like a bond um but the plot theme which is that as we know and it, and it's 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 uh, and it's a long theme and and i think we started delving into that more in in fallout but um the main thing to me is that every single thing uh, every single motif really originates from from Lalo's themes I, 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 I can, it, it's a it's a study basically um, the the uh, the emotion is there we, we were trying to figure out a way at the beginning um, of, of how to make 
the main theme as if Sibelius had been writing it or or that kind of romantic thing. And the discovery was trying to was adding one note to it. That seemed to be the kind of the key because you've got the and then and then by accident, due to the fact I'm a bad player, um, I I started to kind of. And just by that one extra note, um, it just it, it it made you feel in the world of mission, but it allowed you to be romantic without that kind of that straightforward jump. But the main thing was was in uh, the, the the plot concept um, also gets manipulated to become Grace's theme. So you've got you've got a bit of this. It's just trying to make the plot theme romantic um, because the audience know these themes. Why cheat and, and them? expect them? I think. I think so. I do. I'm an. I buy a ticket. I, I want to <laughs> kind of. I, I, I want to kind of be. Uh, I want to feel connected to them. So, so the, the the plot theme is very important. And then and then again, it, it's that it, it, it's kind of figuring figuring out that main but we we had something that came from fallout but we kind of progressed it and it was this just a a simple chord progression for for ethan that that had kind of been started on And just round robining and and plot fits on top of that, and so does the fit on top of it. So talk to me a little bit about the process too. Were you yeah. writing music uh, before and during and after shooting? Uh, all of the above. Wow. And so how did it work with with uh, your director, Chris McQuarrie? Did, were you in sort of constant contact with him? Chris would start. He would start sending me paragraphs or just a couple of lines of of uh, um, of kind of either dialogue or descriptions descriptions of what the scene was about, but in the script. So he'd take a photograph of it. Um, also, sometimes when looking for locations, he'd send photographs. And say this is where we're going to be working on the train sequence and and things like that. So so, um, it, it, it a, a lot of a lot of sweets get created, um, and a lot of and a lot of music gets forgotten, lost in the abyss of of hard the abyss of hard drives. Um, <laughs> and and the funny thing is is that you know people some friends of mine that are composers 
it's crazy that how much you've written but the re there is a reason to it because it will lead to something else and i think lots of people would love to know how involved tom cruise is in the music process do you have any interaction with tom or does he oh yeah um, does yeah, he sign yeah. off on things uh, very much so you know I, I there's i don't know of any other actor that is that is also the producer that is so involved um it it really it really is a it's um you know it, it's a tight ship and a tight team um and um he knows ethan better than any of us <laughs> it's it's and he know and he's experienced throughout every movie the audience audience the audience's reactions to this music and how it's been used um so so that that's a very important kind of wealth of knowledge to to be picking into because um you know you you go through this process and you sometimes think gosh you've used the theme way too many times um and then you have a test screening and the audience disagree they say yeah it's 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 fine fine and then and then the and then it comes out and then social media kicks in and it's like, why did you use it so many times? <laughs> in fact, a lot, I mean, what, what was fascinating to me about your fallout experience was that you found a way, I think, to, um, uh, to take those Lalo themes and deconstruct them and then put them back in a fresh way that really worked for that movie. And again, I think works really well here. It's kind of astonishing to me how many ways you figured out to sort of reinterpret a theme from 50 years ago. There's plenty more. There's, there's, really? <laughs> no, I, but I, I look, I, I have to say that this has come from, uh, you know, an amazing education um, in orchestration and arranging from, from hands. You know, I, I, I learned, I learned a lot about, how to kind of dissect something and use it so that there is that, that, that the audience feels connected to it. And it doesn't, you know, there's a phrase that he'd always say to me about if, if I was doing something and it started just, you know, not being connected to the theme or something, he'd just say Balfe's grazing again. And it just meant <laughs> that, you know, I'm off on a hill, just not, not, not really connected to the music. It's just wandering. It's wandering music, um, and I think that Top Gun was another great example. But I'm not saying it's a great example, but we, we again, it was we tried you know, using Austin Artis from uh, Danger Zone. That was used in it throughout it, so you're constantly feeling con connected to it, and it's just not lots of new ideas that you're homing in on. What what is iconic to this? You've got Harold's. Da da da, which again, modernizing that, it was like, oh, actually, that's the hook. You don't need to do the rest of the theme. So the whole dark style sequence, um, you just needed to use that because that that gives you the, the the tingles. So how much music did you record for Dead Reckoning Part One? Well, not fifteen hours. I wrote fifteen hours. Uh, no, record, recorded, um, I think maybe we had about 32 recording days, maybe, uh, wow. in London alone. 
Wow. Um, but uh, I would safely say four, four hours, four or five. Wow. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and the movie's 163 minutes, and a lot of it is, I think, scored. I, but 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 again, it's this it's 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 uh, it's the filmmaking process now. You 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 you're you're wanting your your test screenings to be as perfect as possible. Yeah. So you're you're getting the, as much of the score into it, incorporating as much as you can of that, um, and and also that you're uh, uh, you're dealing with you know, perfectionists. And, and sometimes on a movie that'll do happens and you just kind of move on. And, and I think that what happens with this is, and and this team is that you can come out of a screening and go, the first 10 minutes doesn't work musically. Let's re let's, let's give it another go. We've got, we, uh, we have time. So let's give it a go. So have you started on dead reckoning part two? No. No. When? When? Well, I think, look, I think the whole, everything's, you know, the strike situation's a difficult thing. Right. You know? It's, yeah. It's, it's uh, all, all my projects at the moment um, are on hold. So then you can go back on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've got, I've got, I've <laughs> Yeah, I don't get a tan like this in a studio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's always something to write, you know. There's, there's the never-ending musical that all of us have been trying to do for 15 years, and then there's the never-ending um, opera, which I, I kind of, I think, I gave up. I gave up, and and I basically turned it into the music to Dark Materials because I thought ah. this is never, never going to happen. <laughs> but um, um, but no, I, you know, I, I, I listen, it's going to affect everybody. And, uh, uh, but yes, I've got three films where we could, well, who knows what, what will, what will happen. Well, uh, Lauren, thank you for sharing your mission Impossible experience with us today. I uh, can't wait to see what you come, come up with next and, uh, and great to see you again. I'm, and I apologize for my keyboard playing. The cat I've brought I've brought the caliber down. <laughs> Pleasure talking to you, John. Thank you. Thank you, John. And many thanks to Lauren for joining us on the podcast today. And an extra special thanks to our friends at Paramount for putting this conversation together. Be sure to check out Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, now playing at a theater near you. You can find links to the tickets, as always, in our show notes. And speaking of Mission Impossible, if you haven't already, be sure to check out our episode on the sound of Dead Reckoning Part 1 with picture editor Eddie Hamilton, supervising sound editor James Mather, and re-recording mixer Chris Burden from just a short while ago. If you'd like even more conversations with artists and filmmakers about how they use technology to tell their stories, please be sure you are subscribed to us, the Dolby Institute Podcast. You can find links to our show on all the major podcasting platforms, including the video version on YouTube, in our show notes. Or you can simply search for Dolby, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're curious to know more about the Dolby Institute, head on over to dolbyinstitute.com. There you'll find information about all of our programs. You can access the entire library of episodes of this podcast, 
and you can sign up for our mailing list. Until next time, thanks again for joining us. This is the Dolby Institute podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Kaiser. Our producer and editor is Michael Coleman. Our executive producers are Amanda Schneider and Jack Ferry, with additional editing by Matt Nixon. Thanks for joining us.